told me to put a title in. Here we go. Ugh. Are you still there? Because I'm still here. Okay, good. <laughs> here we go. It's redirecting to Facebook Live, it says again. Okay, here we go. All right. Here we are. Okay, great. There we are. Are you with me, Scarlett? I think we're we're live now. <laughs> Those technical difficulties are always fun. <laughs> That's right. You gotta be flexible and flow with it. <laughs> <laughs> gotta go with the flow. Gotta go with the flow. So great to have you here, Scarlett. It's just, it's such an honor to have you here with me for the meetings with the masters and just to have a conversation, right? Two moms, you know, we've had them heart to hearts and some conversation about, you know, the amazing ways we've grown as a result of losing our children. And um, I wanna thank you and acknowledge you for sharing your journey with me thus far. And I'm excited to continue to learn more about you and, and your journey and what you're bringing to the world as a result as, and in memory and honor of your son. So guys, this is Scarlett Lewis. Um, I'm very excited to have her here. She's an international speaker, author. She's, uh, she's bringing the Choose Love Foundation, Jesse Lewis Choose Love Foundation. I'll let you introduce yourself. How about that? Okay, sure. That's, that's I easy. walked away from my, my notes to get it the right way. I switched places. <laughs> Hi, everyone. It is such an honor, Gina, to be here with you and, and all of your followers. My name is Scarlett Lewis. I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. It's called a movement because that's exactly what it is. Uh, it's a message uh, and a practice that's being spread and a program throughout the United States and, and the world. Uh, it's based in social and emotional learning. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that term, that's actually learning essential life skills like how to have healthy relationships and meaningful connections, how to uh, uh, make responsible decisions and manage our emotions and, and be resilient in times of, of difficulty and challenges and roadblocks like, uh, like we're all in right now. And these are the skills and tools that uh, social and emotional learning give to us. They're not innate within us. Um, we have to learn them. And, uh, and, and, and I made this my life's mission because my six-year-old son, Jesse McCord Lewis, was murdered in his first grade classroom alongside 19 of his classmates and six educators at Sandy Hook Elementary School in one of the worst mass murders in U.S. history. Um, I knew, uh, I knew instinctively that that was 100% preventable. And uh, I was guided by a message that Jesse had written on our kitchen chalkboard shortly before he died. He wrote three words, nurturing, healing, love. I could literally like, 
I'm sitting right around the corner from this chalkboard because I'm in my living room and, and it's in my kitchen. Um, my father put plexiglass over it so we would keep it forever. Um, but I, I found that this message that was phonetically spelled, I mean, he was in first grade and just learning to write, but it's very clear what he was trying to say. And I knew instantly it was so simple, but not necessarily easy, that if Adam Lanza, who was the shooter in our case and the former student from Sandy Hook Elementary School, whose mother had taught at the school as well, had been able to give and receive nurturing, healing love, the tragedy would never have happened. I mean, I look at that message, I realize that instantly, and I knew that I'd be spending the rest of my life spreading that message. I didn't know in what capacity days after the tragedy. Um, but then I was introduced to a doctoral professor who's the director of the Compassion, Creativity and Innovation Center at Western Connecticut State University. I said, Dr. Cook, uh, here are these words. I'm not exactly sure what they mean, but I know that I was put on this earth to spread this message. How do I do that? And a couple of days later, he comes back and he says, well, those three words are in the definition of compassion across all cultures. And it's called social and emotional learning. It was the first time I'd ever heard of it. I start learning about it and I realize really quickly, I don't have these skills and tools. I mean... <laughs> I was a college graduate and I had some pretty cool jobs. I was an investment banker and bond trader. I wrote for a paper and did a little bit of everything, but I was not socially and emotionally intelligent. I was a mom of two kids too. Um, and so through this whole process, I will say that I have learned these skills and tools and, and you learn them and then they become a practice, by the way, because life is this beautiful thing that gives us opportunities every day to practice our social and emotional intelligence. Um, but that is, and that is the movement. So within the last four years, uh, uh, well, I, 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 I realized how important it was. I looked at the research behind social and emotional learning and how it not only helps kids, it's easy to teach, by the way, uh, not only helps kids get better grades and test scores, higher graduation rates, less stress and anxiety, less uh, behavioral issues. It is a statistically effective way to reduce and prevent bullying. And then it goes all the way in later in life because we use these skills and tools throughout life. Yeah. And you have adults that have uh, less incarceration rates, less mental health issues, um, less emotional distress and, and mental health issues and even less divorce rates. Yes. And so I thought, wow, this is incredible. I, I've never heard of it, but why doesn't every child have access to this? If we know this, and it's been around for decades, by the way, um, why doesn't every child have access? Maybe they do. So I, I remember going to the curriculum director at Sandy Hook Elementary School, and this is just a couple months after the tragedy, or maybe even a month. And I said, uh, hey, there's this thing called SEL, and it's uh, so incredibly important, and it would have saved my son's life. Um, because if, if Adam Lanza had been given these skills and tools, he would have been able to manage his emotions. He would have been able to have uh, uh, relation, some, some sort of connections, right? Um, and he, he had suffered so much. Uh, it's, it was way too easy when things go wrong. We just want to blame. Who can we blame? And, and it was too easy to blame Adam and his mom because 
if it was really their fault, it would never have happened before and then it would never happen again. But wait a minute, this is our new normal. <laughs> we have unfortunately one school related shooting per week in our country, not now during the pandemic, but the issues haven't gone away. So, um, so she told me, oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of it. And we spent a tremendous amount of money on a program. We didn't have enough to train the teachers because the educators need to be trained in this as well. Um, so we did this train the trainer thing. We sent like a very small few out to get trained. They were supposed to come back and train the trainer. That kind of broke down, which it usually does. And because uh, because our teachers, by the way, are superheroes. They have so much on their plate. and. So she said to me, it never got out of the box. And those words literally branded a hole in my brain. I went back to my house and I thought I have to create something that is going to get out of the box, something that is going to benefit educators as much as it benefits our kids, that people are going to resonate with, that creates a heartfelt reaction, opening hearts, opens minds. And so I worked with all sorts of education and uh, all sorts of different professionals. And we created uh, the Choose Love Enrichment Program, now called Choose Love for Schools. And within the last four years, by word of mouth, uh, it's now being taught in every state. Uh, in some states, it's the most taught social emotional learning program in 100 countries. Choose, say it again, Choose Love it's so the website is chooselovemovement.org and it's called Choose Love for Schools. But it doesn't stop there because, because we need it in our homes. I mean, I, I thought of myself as a parent, and probably one of the hardest things for me is now that I have these skills and tools, looking back on my life with my two boys as a single mom and looking at things that I did when I didn't have, you know, great emotional management, the ability to have positive relationships. I mean, that's difficult for me. That's where forgiveness has to kick in because I know I was doing the best that I could with the skills and tools I had at the time. I know if I knew better, I would have done better. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I do have to kind of look beyond that, but we have a program for homes now. And then that goes into communities because community members were saying, you know, mayors, police departments, uh, chambers of commerce, hey, we want to get involved in this. We want to choose love. We want to learn social emotional learning. So we created a program for communities and we have an infant toddler program. Um, we now have a workplace program because we had um, employees as well as owners coming to us saying, hey, we really need this in the workplace. Too. This really needs to be a consistent message throughout right. all of humanity because we are so similar. We're all connected in the want and need to love and be loved. We all feel pain and suffer as human beings. This COVID-19 thing, ironically, with all the social distancing, has really brought us more together because we realize, oh my gosh, here's another connection. We're all susceptible to COVID-19. We can all get sick. Right. Um, and, you know, yet we, we, we want to be happy. We want to be peaceful. We want to find meaning. And we have to have the skills and tools that enable us to do that. And that's what this is. It's, I mean, 
first of all, like, you know, I just acknowledging you so much for being able to to pick up those pieces in the way that you did for having gone through what you went through and bringing the meaning forward to make this kind of an impact because we all, we want to choose love for life, all of life, right? Yeah. Choose love is for all of us. We, everybody has that in us. Yes. We just don't always access it. We don't have those skills because we're not taught those skills always, which is what you're trying to do and help this, this movement of, of choosing love for life for everyone that we can find the love within ourselves and starts with self-love. Right. And, you know, we talked about our journeys a little separately, uh, you know, how the resiliency that you were able to have came to you because of some things you'd gone through in your life prior. Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. You, I mean, are you open to sharing that? Because here's the thing, right? We both know, like we, I didn't have those skills either before I went through with losing my daughter. I had a loving childhood. Thank God. I did too. Right. I think I, I had a loving childhood. You would have never think I didn't have social emotional, like skill <laughs> learning. Right. But there's just, we just don't know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't truly know and learn at an earlier age how to be and what to do and how to not be codependent and, and you know, um, overprotective and things like that and all, all kinds of skills that we, if we knew better, we'd do better. Well, we're learning from yeah. our environment and our parents and whoever's in our environment. And, and they say, you know, research says that, um, dysfunction can go out seven generations and you can see why because yeah. you're you're learning and your brain is actually being wired um from childhood and and plus when you add to that that our brains are wired really for survival yes. and not necessarily for happiness then that adds a whole different layer onto it and, and it's up to us to learn skills and tools or to teach them to help us get beyond that survival instinct, you know, that fear versus love type of thing and choose love. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. And that, that's been, you know, uh, I don't know about you, but that was a work in progress for me to get out of that survival mind and get into a place of, of you know, observing myself and how I could do things and say things and what we think, you know, what we think about ourselves and, and how we speak and the words we say, you know, I, I, I love the, the quote still from, even from Bohemian Rhapsody. I know it's crazy, but when the father says to him, good thoughts, good words, good deeds, when he's walking out the door, I don't know if you saw that, but it's, it resonated so much with me because and I had like loving parents and I just, but I didn't think, I didn't put all those social emotional skills together, right? In my life, I didn't have, I just didn't know. But if I had learned them in my school too, at a younger age, like, thank God I had a loving home to come home to, but we weren't learning that stuff in school. If we were learning that stuff in school, those, those skills, important life skills and how to choose love and loving ourselves first imagine how much less homicide there'd be how much suicide less suicide there'd be less bullying all of these things you're talking about 
it's like it gives me the chills just hearing you um and, and the thing is we don't talk a lot about it like um i think about um you know the fact that no one really talked about the fact that adam lanza was bullied well why not <laughs> because that's a big thing that led to his anger clearly <laughs> that led to the tragedy let's have these conversations they're not they're not fun conversations they're uncomfortable conversations they take courage to have yeah. um and and here's the other thing like it's kind of strange but when you have a child that's murdered in a school um it was interesting to me because there wasn't anyone that said anywhere hey could it i could have done something differently or we could have done this or you know uh i take responsibility for that there was no accountability no responsibility no accountability at all it was kind of like uh not even an apology because you can't really apologize if there's nothing to apologize for so it was really kind of weird right so i realized very quickly that i was going to have to take responsibility for what happened i mean my part of the responsibility for living in uh the world that that cultivates um these mass murderers i mean let's face it babies aren't born mass murderers they're right. not yeah. um they're cultivated into what they become and they're cultivated through pain and mm -hmm. suffering and disconnection and isolation and oftentimes bullying and that's something that we have to face and we have to work on and we have a lot to work on and that's really also why we decided to name our movement choose love that word choose is really important because it all boils down to choice especially when we have the skills and tools we have a choice and you know as nelson mandela says um babies aren't born hating they're born they they're literally born loving and they have to be taught to hate and if they can be taught to hate they can be taught to love for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite and i believe that with my whole heart and it's not that we're not going to go through life with pain uh and having pain and discomfort despite parents trying to 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 not have their kids have pain that's actually a lot of the process of learning and growing and becoming resilient is is being able to face pain and so that is going to happen, but it's how we face that pain. You know, it's interesting. Like in in COVID uh, nineteen, um, it's a it's a it's a horrific time. It's a global pandemic. There's so much loss, so much anxiety, uh, and suffering. And at the same time, it is an opportunity Absolutely. for growth, and we have to determine regardless of what's happened, if we are going to languish or flourish. Yes, absolutely. It is such an incredible time. 
for humanity to, to flourish. And we do get to wake up every day and choose. And this was someone, some, someone said to me when my daughter died, um, do you want to be bitter or better? It's the same thing, right? Do you want to be bitter or better? And I said, better, of course, I want to be better, which is flourish, you know, languish is bit. We don't want to be bitter. And, and you going back to what you said before about that, we grow up, you know, if we grow up being taught hate, we might not be being taught hate, but it might be being modeled in our home. Well, that's teaching it. Modeling, right. Well, that's right. But I, that's why I wanted to bring that word in too, because that's it. That model, what you model at home is teaching your children how to be. So people don't necessarily think about that. When we say that word teaching, we think, what are they getting taught in school? Modeling what they're seeing at home is what they're being taught and absorbing into them when whether we believe it or not. You know, like I remember, and I have to think about the, you know, I have to think about how I had to take accountability for how my marriage crumbled there after my daughter's death from, it got very tumultuous and we had both had anger and sadness and pain in our hearts. And so guess what we would do is fight and conflict and conflict. And whether I thought our living children were going to, were hearing it because they were in the other room or, you know, and weren't hearing it, we were thinking they weren't hearing it. They feel it. They feel it. And they, it's energy guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up modeling because it reminds me of a story that I, that I share. Uh, And it's, it's from 1214 that day. um, I was at work and somebody instant messaged me actually saying there's been a shooting in Sandy Hook. And so it took a little while to figure out, well, where was it? Uh, I was at a school. Doesn't, oh, I think it was at this school. Doesn't your son go to that school? Um, you better go. And so I got my car. It was, I have a 45 minute to an hour and 20 minute commute, by the way, depending on traffic. And so uh, it took me 45 minutes to get to the school by the time I got, so, so um, all of the kids were evacuated to this firehouse that was at the end of the cul-de-sac. The school was at one end, the firehouse was at the entrance. So the parents were called, you know, come and get your kids at this, uh, at the firehouse. So uh, it took me 45 minutes. And actually um, there's a, there's a, this interesting thing that happens with human beings because we think it can never happen to us. Right. There's always something about the people that things happen to, but that can never happen to you. Right. Even driving to the school to pick up my son. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not even worried. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried, but I'm like, you know, it just, it just can't happen to your right. child. Not that. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I, I got to the school and I was 40, I was, uh, I was like having to park a quarter of a mile away. Cause there's so many cars, people running. So I park and I'm starting to get nervous. Cause I see helicopters flying overhead, people running, people in army, uh, uniforms, army trucks, oh. uh, military style, you know, weapons, every, you know, running back and forth. And I'm like, oh shit, this is, this is a big deal. So, uh, I get to the firehouse and by the time I got there, most of the kids had been evacuated and already gone. So I'm look, I'm going up to official looking people like, have you seen Jesse? I don't know. I think he went over to that house. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I went over to the house next door 
the guy that owns the house was like, no, I think he went over to the daycare center. So Jesse's dad and I are like texting back and forth. Well, you look at the daycare center. Finally, it was like, you look at the hospitals. I'm going to stay here. And during all of this, and then there's this rumor that there's a second and third shooter. So you've got police breaking into homes around looking for them. Anyway, it was like chaos. And uh, during all of this, my 12 year old son who's in seventh grade, uh, less than half a mile away, texts me and says, mom, can I come wait with you? He's in lockdown. And I was like, sure, because when they find him, because <laughs> they were saying, well, we're still sweeping the schools and they're hiding. And I'm like, oh yeah, knowing Jesse, I think he took a small contingent of kids out into the woods and they're hiding. It's going to take them a long time to find them. So yeah, GT, come, uh, Nan and Papa will pick you up. My mom, uh, and, uh, and his step-grandfather live in town. And, uh, and then when they find him, we'll, we'll go out to dinner. So, uh, anyway, JT comes, he's 12 years old at the time. Um, and he's sitting in this environment and it is so chaotic. Uh, I'm trying to keep peace for my family. We're supposed to be waiting in this back room. And I'm like, no, I want to wait, you know, outside. I don't want to be with screaming and yelling and all of that. I just want peace for my family. Um, my other brothers were coming. My, uh, I have a brother that lives in Darien that was coming up and uh, a brother in Norwalk. And then my brother from Boston was driving down. I'm like, hmm, that's, that's, he doesn't have to come down here. Anyway, uh, I, I start to realize as people start coming up to me, like uh, a first responder came up and said, do you have a recent picture of Jesse? And I'm like, yeah, it's on my phone. Uh, it's right here. And he's like, uh, did he have any identifying marks on his body? And I was like, oh, that's not good. And all of a sudden I realized like I, I had practiced being present in my life anyway with my boys as a single mom who worked long hours, like every second I had with them, I wanted to be present and I was as much as possible. And by the way, that is the way to live life with the fewest regrets is being present with the ones you love, not on your phones, not staring at a screen, present with them, talking with them, looking into their eyes. And now is an opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I suddenly realized I was present. I was practicing that presence even at the firehouse. And I wanted to be present. I did not, you know, want, uh, I, I wanted to be in, in the moment. And I'm realizing JT is watching every single move that I make, every word that's coming out of my mouth. I am teaching him in the moment how to handle difficulty, stress, anxiety, all the way up to tragedy and trauma for the rest of his life. Oh so God. I thought I need to be my best self here because I'm teaching him. I have an opportunity in the moment to be the person I want him to be. Oh so what does that look like? And it doesn't look like not showing emotion or being overly stoic, um, but it does mean rising to your best self. And I, I've had that understanding since that day. Um, and it's been a tremendous way for me to put my best foot forward. And I think that's a great thing for your audience to understand that this concept of modeling, which you brought up, which is excellent, remembering in the moment, even when you're fighting with your spouse or anytime, 
your kids are watching you and they're learning from you. And, and you know, what is it? 40% of our communication is verbal. The rest is body language, tone, um, gestures, movements. Um, you're teaching in everything that you do. And so to be mindfully aware of that, you don't even, I, it's not like, well, I don't know. I don't know SEL. It's just, just being mindfully aware of that helps you rise to the occasion and be your best self. I mean, I mean, a hundred percent. And thank you. Let me, first of all, acknowledge you. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I wasn't sure how far you wanted to delve into that, but that is so unbelievable and powerful that in what could be, I have chills all over my body, the most chaotic moment of any parent's life that you were able to, in that moment, come back to the presence of how you were how you were handling it, how you were going about this kind of panic and chaos and fear and doubt. Mm. And, and, and I can't, horror horror yes. this is horror yes like, yes it was all of that all of that people don't experience that kind of of horror and and so to have been able to be present in that moment is like beyond i can't even i can't even explain what it, my my body is like shaking just thinking that you were able to do that for your living child for whatever was going to go forth in his life in that moment and for the people that now you've been able to have that impact on and jesse has been able to have that impact on because of his choosing love and you choosing love and choosing to be truly you know i talk about it all the time but really truly it is being the change in the world we want to see it is that is modeling we have to be the change. We it's have to. too easy to, you know, it's, it is so interesting. Like when something happens that we're not happy with in our lives, let's take your son is murdered in his classroom. <laughs> That's, you know, uh, uh, obviously the first thing you do is you think about who's to blame. Yes. Who's to blame. And first of all, no one is going to take responsibility or be accountable. Um, schools are immune from lawsuits. I mean, it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, so the thing is, when we do that, and Brene Brown talks about the definition of blame, which is the off-putting of pain and responsibility onto somebody else. And I think we've done that way too much to the point where, you know, I realized that if I did that in the moment, everybody was blaming Adam and his mom, right? And, and, and it was so tempting to do that, but that was too easy. And so if I did that, if I blamed Adam and his mom, uh, I would become their victim. I would have to be relinquishing my power to them because it's their fault. So if it was their fault, then the only people that can fix it would be them. But if I took my part of the responsibility for what happened, 
then I could be part of the solution. And that was really empowering to me. And it was funny because that was the, probably the only thing that my parents, my parents are divorced. The only thing they've agreed on in the last 30 years is that I should never say that. But for me, I thought it was a good lesson. It was a good lesson for me, but maybe a good lesson for other people. And I was hoping that I would start a trend of people taking responsibility for what happens in schools um, and not just school shootings, obviously. We've got a lot of issues. We've got um, uh, the uh, doubling of our children's suicide rate in the past decade. Um, more and more kids, younger and younger, are committing suicide. Um, yes. They're committing homicide as well, uh, more than ever. Um, we have a substance abuse issue, not just with our kids, but with adults. And we have more people dying of overdoses than ever before in the history of mankind. That number is expected to escalate. That was pre-pandemic, by the way. Now yeah. we've got online liquor stores, uh, sales up by like 243%. We've got antidepressant uh, medication up by 35%. Wow. And, uh, and I could go on, um, but the other issues are loneliness. And uh, there's an epidemic of loneliness that was pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you think about where all of these issues start in the body, I mean, we had an anxiety epidemic. Oh, for sure. Before, <laughs> and, and where do all of these, these issues, um, take loneliness, for instance, where does it start in the body? And, you know, when I ask audiences that they, you know, people grab their heart or they make this motion, you know, like my stomach, um, but really it happens, it starts here right. as a thought. Yeah. I am lonely um, because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're with people or not, you can still feel lonely. Then that thought travels down and uh, to your heart uh, oh yes, you know, it, it confirms to your stomach, then you do get that, then, then that shoots up this, uh, this message to your brain. Yeah, you are a real loser and you're alone. And so then, you know, it just, um, increases on, on itself. And the, there is an inverse relationship with all of those things and, and the skills, tools, and attitudes that social and emotional learning teach. So yes. this becomes so much more important now. So, so I started this whole thing. Sandy Hook Elementary School tragedy was seven years ago. This is when I started. I, I came, Jesse's message of nurturing, healing, love led me directly to social emotional learning. I made that my life's mission. Mm -hmm. And so here we are seven years later, uh, seven and a half years later, um, our program's in schools, homes, communities, uh, and coming workplaces all around the world. And, and when I started seven years ago, I would be telling administrators and you know principals and educators and parents and yeah. students what social emotional learning was for the most part. Like most people hadn't heard of it. I had never heard of it. Now, seven and a half years later, everyone's heard of it. 
It's a buzzword. If you look at all the education conferences, most of the headlines are social emotional learning. Everybody's heard of it. Everybody wants it. Still, it's in less than 10% of US schools taught the way that it's supposed to. 90% um, check off the box with a week-long kindness program or having a speaker in or maybe an after-school event. But really, in order to do social-emotional learning the right way that positively impacts the school's culture and makes it connected, kind, loving, compassionate, is to have a comprehensive year-long program that's taught with fidelity, that the languaging um, is, is used all the time. It's not it's not a program that's taken off a shelf and then taught and then put back up. It's like a lifelong practice. We've got to have our parents in it. We've got to have our communities in it. So this has been my message. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because I connected social emotional learning with school safety um, very early on because all of these external safety measures, by the way, which Sandy Hook had all of that, we were very progressive. We had just had an active shooter protocol drill two weeks before the shooting. We had single point entries and all the door locks and we had uh, everything that you could possibly have. And of course, we know that that can't prevent a, a shooting. Um, but the most important part of school safety is cultivating safety from the inside out of every individual at that school. And you do that through social and emotional learning. You cultivate safety from the inside out by teaching kids how to have healthy relationships, how to manage their emotions, how to make responsible decisions, how to be resilient and even grow through the difficulty that they face yeah. in their lives. Kids yeah. with those skills and tools are not gonna wanna harm one another. So really for school safety, you have to have external, I'm not downplaying the importance of external safety measures and internal safety measures. And so that was uh, something that we were just realizing that focusing on hardening the schools really wasn't uh, bringing down the active shooter rate, but that focusing on the culture could precede actually a grievance that leads to an attack. So then we have the pandemic and now we have kids who are home, disconnected, isolated, on their, on their devices, <laughs> visiting websites that they wouldn't have before. And mm. perhaps, unfortunately, in situations with parents mm. who are not modeling their best selves. Right. And we have to be ready for them when they come back to school because they're going to be uh, needing some reintegration help. Oh my, are they ever, God, this is just, this is so, so powerful. And it's, you know, it's that, that internal learning, it's, it's, a, it needs to be conditioned right? That taking it off the shelf, like you said, and like, like our school had like kindness week. Thank you. I know they're doing other things to try to develop social emotional learning, but it has to be conditioned early on. Just like, just like those kids were conditioned anger by having angry parents or whatever. It's, con it's conditioned in them. 
And what we don't, that's what, what I know this is part of and what you're speaking of it. That's where it becomes internal. When our body gets it conditioned into our body, right? How to, how to have those skills on the, on the ready because we're conditioned to those skills. How to, because those skills were modeled or at least taught us in school all the time, not one week a year or, 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 you know, a month or whatever, whatever it is that all different schools are doing. I'm sure, you know, you know what I'm talking, you know what I'm saying? It has to be. And I talk about this too, all the time. It's like, we are, we have to recondition ourselves to a whole new way of thinking and feeling and being and taking a hundred percent accountability for ourselves, our emotions and our lives. That's a really good point, Gina, because we automatically are reactive. And so we have been reacting to the issues that we've seen. So, okay, we've got bullies. So we're going to create anti-bullying programs and we're going to teach about what a bully is and how to spot one. And we're going to create laws around bullying. What's happened to bullying? It's escalated, oh right? Um, we did that with drugs. I mean, I, the war on drugs. How did that turn out? And now we have programming that we have every child go through that is uh, drug awareness. It's called different things in different areas, but is statistically ineffective. It doesn't work, but we're reacting and we have to do something. And even suicide prevention, that is not working. Why? Because we're focusing on the issue. Social emotional learning is different. It is proactive prevention. It addresses the cause of all of this. And unless you're addressing the cause, you cannot be talking about a solution. But by the way, it's a little bit different way of thinking. So trust me, in my journeys everywhere, and I talk to everyone that will listen, when I sit down, with courageous leaders. Um, and we have a lack of, of them in our country. Uh, it is very different than sitting down with, with someone who is more fearful. Uh, a courageous leader will um, understand that something like this is in the best interest of the kids. And despite the fact that, uh, you know, that, that they haven't done this before, um, and that there is going to be some resistance to something that's new that hasn't been done before. They do it anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I get, you know, there's, there, there are a lot of, and there are a lot of meetings that I sit and they say, oh, we want to share what we're doing in our state with SEL with you. So our, or our school or this and that, and, you know, which is fine. Um, but it's usually not enough. And it isn't a, it isn't a battle of egos here. This is trying to meet kids where they are and do what's in their best interest. And we, we need courageous leaders to realize this and that even though there might be some pushback, it's something that we have to do anyway. And when I talk about courage, I have to talk about Jesse. Um, and I use this, this, story 
um, to elicit courage from the people that I'm speaking with um, and because it elicits courage from me. Um, Jesse is known for his heroicism on uh, his during his final few moments. He literally stood up to the shooter who uh, came into his classroom. He had just killed his principal and school counselor right outside Jesse's door. And he turned to come into Jesse's classroom. There were two first grade classrooms where the victims were and Jesse's was the first one. And um, because he had been shooting his way through the glass doors in the entrance and then shooting people, he ran out of bullets or his gun jammed. We're still not quite sure. And during the short delay, Jesse stood up to the shooter and called for his friends to run. And, uh, and they said it's because he called to them to tell them to run that they ran. And he was able to save nine lives before the shooter reloaded and uh, killed the remaining people in the room. I talk about that bravery. Jesse was six years old uh, and doing that. And, you know, I, I, I like to say that, first of all, that's a great source of my courage because I thought, you know, I learned of that brave act very shortly after. And I thought, wow, if, if my six-year-old son could use his final moments to do something like that, I certainly can take the platform that um, this event has created and try to address the cause of what happened here and be part of the solution. Absolutely, I'm gonna spend the rest of my life doing that. But at the same time, I talk about that courage because that was a six-year-old's courage. And I'll tell you something, Jesse was an amazing kid, but we all have the courage that Jesse showed. We just have to be aware of it. Courage is like a muscle. This is what research tells us. We need to practice it, to strengthen it. Yes. And that is uh, the courage to do the right thing, to, mm -hmm. to stand up for what's right, to speak out, mm -hmm. to put our best foot forward, to face our fears. Yes. Um, yes. And, and, and that's part of my message. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I just un, it's unbelievable and every time you tell me that and I hear that it's just so it's amazing and 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 you I, I have to tap into this part before we end because of course we can go on and on and I I don't want to keep you all day and I know you have a lot of people to go share this message with but I cannot let you go without speaking of the amount of courage that you had to forgive because forgiveness also is a big part of social and emotional intelligence. It is a really important piece, right? It's an important piece for with our program, for sure. Not every SEL program has it, but but it is- but For people to have that emotional, social and emotional, just the person, forget the program. Yeah. People to really earn and own that in their lives. It's something I've had to learn. Forgiveness is so important of yourself, Forgiveness of yourself for not knowing better how to do something different. And but ha that is takes courage. And then look at the courage that took, I mean, you had the courage to forgive. And I would love you to talk about that, please, before we, for now, wrap this up until future. Yeah, definitely. Courage, uh, courage and forgiveness are probably the most important part of my journey. Um, you know, it's interesting because 
I knew that someone that could do something so heinous and anybody who's heard me speak before has heard me say this before, um, must've been in a tremendous amount of pain. And I was never really angry at, at Adam. Um, I felt compassion for him. Uh, and I found out things about his childhood that he, he had done what every child does. He'd cried out for help. He had special needs that were known and not met. Um, he, he, he was bullied and he was in a tremendous amount of pain. Uh, he was isolated. And so my anger was never really at him, but that is a process of forgiveness. Um, but I did also understand, I've learned so much more about forgiveness uh, through my journey and really what it means, really delving into it. But I also knew that if I didn't forgive, that I was going to be another victim of Adam Lanza. Mm. And I literally remember standing in my mom's kitchen thinking, my son is a victim of Adam Lanza, but I am not gonna be a victim of Adam Lanza. And JT is not gonna be a victim of Adam Lanza. We are going to forgive and we're gonna go on and we're gonna use this to strengthen ourselves and to help other people. It was a choice. It was definitely a choice and forgiveness starts with a choice and then it becomes a process because that's not to say that I don't have anger for other things that happened for people that came in that uh, tried to take advantage, did take advantage of the tragedy um, and still try to, to this day um, for, you know, like on Mother's Day, my birthday, Jesse's birthday, Valentine's Day. <laughs> there are, as you know, a lot of times that um, you have a lot of sadness. And um, of course, there are people that also say that the tragedy never happened. And, uh, you know, and, and that's another opportunity to forgive. Um, forgiveness is cutting the cord that attaches you to pain. I did mm -hmm. not want my life to be ruined. Um, I wanted to have a good life afterwards and I wanted to grow through this and I knew that there was a way. I remember, um, I think this is in my book. Uh, I'm sitting on the couch. It's like days after the tragedy and the state or someone had assigned like a counselor or something to the families, which was actually nice. They, they came with us to the wake and the funeral and just made sure that we were okay. And uh, so she comes with like an assistant and uh, she brought the assistant because this other woman had lost a son. And so, you know, I, when you're early into it and you've just lost a child, like you want to know how the other parents have lived through the experience because you are not sure that you're going to. Right. And so I remember her, both of them kind of knelt at my feet and I, I'm sitting at my mom's, I'm in a couch and um, Dr. Asher introduces this woman and says, you know, she lost a son. And I was like, oh my God, you lost a son. Uh, 
like, how did you get through that? And she said, she puts her hand on my knee and she's like, look, I'm here to tell you the pain that you feel right now, you will always feel that pain. That pain will never go away. There's no way out of this. And like she, and I was like, stop, 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 stop. Because I knew like, if that's my reality, I'm going to kill myself. Like I, I can't, I can't live like that. I I don't want to live like that. So I literally just put my hand in her face and I said, you know what? And I had to make a choice right then and there. I was like, that's your reality. That's your story. My story is going to be different. I'm going to make up my own story because I'm not going to have that story. That is not going to be my story. I'm going to have my own story and I don't even want to hear it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And that was, you know, like I had a few of these defining moments where I had to take a stand and make a choice. And, uh, and I always tried to choose love in my choices and not choose fear. And then of course, I'm also, I also have the realization that I'm modeling for my son, you yeah. know, do I want him to see this take me down or do I want him to see how difficulty even tremendous loss can strengthen us and we can learn from it and we can use it to help other people. That's what I want him to learn because that's what I want, how I want him to shape his life. And that is so beautiful. And that takes so much courage. It takes courage. It does take courage. And you were very resilient. And, you know, I sit here thinking, you know, I, I remember too, if it's okay, if I share a quick story about one of those moments that I had like that, where I, I created a grief group for others after losing my child to help. And I thought that was one of the ways I was meant to help because I knew I wanted to also be better. And, you know, I remember these are my pe- people who lost children. That's who I needed to be around. I know, you know, cause they understand. People. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, nobody else could possibly understand. And, and as I shared with you, I remember meeting someone at one of the first things I went to that was parents who lost children. And I was in my deep grief. It was like two months after my daughter. And I met this woman in this group who, who was looking at articles of her child's death and her child was abducted and murdered. And I thought it's, oh my God. Like in that moment, this is, it was, it, it, that was worse. Like I, you know, I, I had something, it it sounds so it people, you wouldn't understand if you hadn't been through it, but I had so much gratitude for the, how the last moments went for me. And anyway, that was, I I went off track with what I was about to say. I had to do that too, though. I, I had, like, I remember in the very beginning, I had to think, I had to think of a worse situation. For some reason, maybe to bring perspective into it, because everybody was saying to me, oh my God, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened. And I was thinking, it's not the worst. It's not the worst. And so, and it's so interesting because people come up and they share their stories and they go, oh, this is nothing like what you went through, but listen to mine. And I think, oh my God, no, yours is much worse. Yours is worse. Like, I, I don't think what I went through from what I, from, from, what other people go through is the worst that you can go through. And it's all, it's all terrible, but it's all also an opportunity for tremendous growth and, and also an opportunity to help others and, and really 
that is why we are here on earth. One of my favorite quotes uh, is by Ram Das, and he says, we're all just here to walk each other home. And that rings so true for me. That's why we're here. Uh, and if you're searching for meaning in your life and you want a purpose, that's it. And yeah. if you do something that's helping somebody else, you're fulfilling your purpose here on earth. Right. And find meaning in that. And I just want, I just wanted to last say what I was starting to say before was in that, in one of the groups where this woman had been in pain for 10 years. And I was like, you know, a year out of it that I started this group and she was in so much pain for 10 years. And I thought, oh, okay, I, nope, I'm not, I, I'm done with this. Like, I was like, I can't yeah. do this. I'm not, I want to be, you know, I'm going to grow out through this. I want to learn and grow and, and be, you know, the person I know I'm meant to be that's somewhere lost in the pain right now, but has so, knows there's so much more to this than I can even put my finger, my thoughts to at the moment. Yes. yes. I had the same thinking. Yes. And the same moments where I made the choice, you know, and sometimes you have to make it again, but yeah. that's okay. <laughs> oh yeah. Again and again. Right. Because here's the thing, guys, no matter what you go through in life, we're all going to face challenges. And so that's what we're like, this is where the choice to be better comes in every time. And the choice to learn from those challenges, instead of getting sucked into the pain, anger, fear, and doubt, the growth gets, get, get, I got, I hungered for the growth, right? I literally am scratching and clawing because that's what it felt like to me sometimes for the growth of, I want to be the love and feel the love and give the love that I know is within me right now. I might not know how to get there right now, but I'm willing to allow it and, and dig deeper and start, and you know, and as, and we learn how to grow through that. And so, so I'm just honored and like immensely grateful that our paths have crossed and we have some other you know, and then to find out that my best friend who died went to high school with you who, a few years ago, which was a tragic loss for me again, who, that, you know, where you grew up, you guys went to school together and it was like, okay, so all the angels are putting us together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It's always, there's always something bigger happening that we can't see. I totally agree. And that's why I know, like, I want to help you in this movement. I, I believe in nurturing, healing, love with every ounce of my being and that it starts with us alone nurturing and healing the love within ourselves yes and growing that absolutely and, and being the ripple effect so we will stay i hope we stay connected i know oh, you're we definitely will thank you so much gina thank you so much i'm here to help let this your bring your programs as much as i can out into the world so Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Please share this video, share, share, share more about the Chessie Lewis choose love movement. Let's get this out and let our young kids start to learn how to become the best version of themselves in their our lives. Our programs are no cost. We call them next generation, no cost lifespan. There's no excuse. Make sure that your schools have them. Um, they don't necessarily have to have choose love, but, but make sure that they have a comprehensive program that's taught with fidelity, um, educators, you know, bring this in, um, this, this benefits you as well. And we actually have a 2.0 
edition coming out that is gonna meet kids and educators where they are when they come back. So um, it's, it's if, if you ask me, it's the best out there and definitely worth a look, chooselovemovement.org. Chooselovemovement.org. I will post also, and, and, and also of course, anyone who can support that in, in, in funding as well that allows it to continue to get into the schools for free, the no cost thing. Why does that in some ways, you know, it's interesting that the people think, oh, then it maybe it's not, you know, like valid or something, right? Didn't you tell me that sometimes schools think if it's no cost, that- That's what people told me in the beginning, you can't have it be free because people aren't gonna value it. Guess what? They value it tremendously. If you go onto our website, you'll see uh, the expanse that we've had over the past four years. It is a tremendous, tremendous program. And it's not just social emotional learning. It is mindfulness, neuroscience, positive psychology, post-traumatic growth, resilience, growth mindset. There's so much in it. And, uh, and it's, it benefits the educator as much as it does the student. There's no teacher training. It's simple. The educator learns right alongside the student. There, there are programs for home. Uh, the home program is this really fun video-based program with lots of fun stuff that you can do with your kids. It's flying off the proverbial shelves. It's all online right now. So parents are really enjoying it with their kids now. There are community programs. There's infant toddler programs for the caregiver. There pre, there's a prenatal program. We have programs also, whenever I saw a gap, uh, in the education system, I partnered with someone and created a program. So we've got a healthy grieving program. And of course, we're all grieving right now. We did that in conjunction with the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation. Um, we've got trauma-based programs. We've got a tapping program, emotional freedom technique. Um, there's so much on the website. I encourage everybody to go there. And the other thing that we're doing now um, on a shorter term basis in partnership with the University of South Florida and the Santoro Foundation um, to help kids, their parents and educators thrive in uncertain times. We have a daily text that we're doing, um, I think for the next two months, you can text SEL, short for social emotional learning to 484848 and you can receive a daily text with something that you can actually do a practice that will help you thrive in uncertain times. You can do it with your kids, there are steps, there's an explanation, it's fun stuff. So I encourage everybody to, uh, to try that out. Tell me what to say on 4848. I'm doing it's it. It's right texting S-E-L, short for social emotional learning, to 484848 and sign up for a daily text. And you can do it with your kids. It's fun stuff. Um, because, of course, we all want to thrive during this uncertain time. And we can. It's a tremendous opportunity. COVID-19 has taken us all out of our comfort zone, which means we're all in our growth zone. So what are we going to do with it? Are we going to languish or flourish? It's, uh, it's up to us. And it is a choice when you have some skills, tools, and awarenesses. Absolutely. And the time is now. This is, this is the most amazing time that we have for this right now. Right. So let's make it happen, guys. This is how we start to change the world right yes. now. Yes. 
Absolutely. Margaret Mead said, the great anthropologist Margaret Mead, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And that small group of thoughtful, committed citizens is listening right now. So together, we can definitely change the world. Yes, let's do it. Oh my God, let's do it, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, God. What an honor. Grateful, grateful. Thanks, guys, for watching. Um, I will put the website uh, in here and uh, make sure you guys have everything you need. Please go to the website. Please check it out. Get these tools in your home. Get these tools in your schools. Let's change it now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>